hello there. I'm Ellen. I'm the pussycat half of Pea Green Boat. In this podcast, I'll be talking about the real you, the person you've always dreamed of being. And I'll also be talking about all the things that get in the way of you being that person, that stop you being that person, and what we might be able to do to change that. I'll often be chatting with my fellow coach and longtime friend Fiona Dove. Fiona is the other half of Pea Green Boat. And with lots of other fascinating people from all over the world that we've both been fortunate to meet. So join me here for our weekly chats, full of laughter and ideas, ideas that can open doors for you. So grab yourself a coffee, hop on board Pea Green Boat, and we'll have a gentle sail down the river. This week, I'm talking about rewilding your heart. And rewilding your heart is about climbing out of the box. This October, I'm doing my first retreat again since the pandemic stopped all that. And it's on rewilding your heart. Okay, so what is rewilding your heart all about? It's about finding your wild heart, often buried deep inside you, reconnecting with it and making that a daily practice. Well, again, that sounds very good, but it also sounds a little bit sort of like, are we going meditation or what are we doing? And I'm not sure. And I don't really know, perhaps, how to relate to it. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that have been happening for the past three years. Yeah, it's it's two and a half years since the pandemic started. Reconnecting with your heart, rewilding your heart, finding your wild heart inside of you, reconnects you with nature. And when you've done it, when you've got there, or at least some of the way there, no longer do you have that weird sort of feeling that you and the natural world may be on opposite sides. Or even, as some people do, that nature can be your enemy, at least some of the time. You discover that connecting with the natural world through your wild heart, when you found it, really improves and expands all your relationships. And I'm meaning all of them. It's the personal ones, the ones with yourself. You grow, find And you have already a different attitude to yourself, your personal relationships, family, friends, all that sort of thing. And blow me, yes, it does. It actually improves your professional relationships too. You find it easier to get on with people. People find it easier to get on with you. That's even more important. And so your whole work life can become more comfortable and more enjoyable because your relationships have changed. Years of experience have shown me that many, many, many people really do feel wild at heart. Do you? Just feel in there now. Is there a wild heart inside of you that would really like to come out, but only perhaps dares to do so when you're quite alone? Hmm, maybe. Secretly, many people want to be that, want to be wild at heart, but they feel they can't. 
They feel the social pressures on them are too great to allow them to be wild. That feels to me like a cross between a sword of Damocles hanging over you and Big Brother peering over your shoulder and about to slam you down if you're not normal. And I hate that. I think that's a horrid way to live. Clients have said over the past 30 years, they ache inside for what they feel society will not let them have, not approve of. It takes a while for us to get there where they can even tell me that they're aching inside and when they're not, all right, I'm fine. Somebody says to you, hi, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. And you actually feel like shit inside. And we always have this habit impressed upon us that we can't actually be who we are at that moment. Well, yes, we can change that. But every single one of us, and that includes me too, because I've been there, I've been the hidden person inside, afraid to come out. We each of us need help. We need support from another person. And it'll be one who's been there before you, one who's travelled that road, walked that path, and has their own experience so similar to how you feel. So yes, we can change, and yes, we need some help and support to do this. Let's go into a bit more that went on in the last three years. COVID-19, the pandemic, brought about lots of good things as well as all the bad. Lots of people did come together to help each other and to help those less able than themselves. But it took a wee while, although actually not very long. Do you remember at the beginning, all the jokes and the brilliant cartoons about the supermarkets running out of loo paper? How everyone stacked their trolleys with the essentials they believed they needed and hang the other person, bugger them. I need to make sure I'm all right, Jack. I remember that. I found it really scary to know I was living amongst people who would as likely as not step over me if I fell down rather than help me up. It really felt like that. But that changed. Perhaps not everywhere. And there were certainly places where it was horrendously difficult. But... A lot of places it did change, and that was both in towns and in the country. I live in the country. My home is in the middle of nowhere, which is exactly how I designed it, because that's where I wanted to be. And so actually I was living in lockdown most of the time. But before lockdown, I could at least go to the supermarket. And I'm also crippled. I've got several autoimmune diseases. So my autoimmune system is definitely non-functional or not very functional. So I was a vulnerable person. And I read up scientific papers on COVID as well as all the stuff in the news. And it felt like possibly a good idea not to go where I was very likely to get it because I could easily have been one of the people who didn't make it. Now, as I said, I live in the country. I do have neighbours. I think the nearest is about half a mile away. But they helped. They helped with all sorts of things, like the shopping, of course. But they also helped, like the gardening, like checking up on me. 
and I checked up on them too. I was able to go out for a walk because I walk straight into countryside out of my back door. I don't even walk into a road, not for a quarter of a mile. And so I would go for a walk, but I would go for a walk down to my neighbour's house and shout over the fence, everything okay in there? And, you know, we would shout at each other from one eagle's, you know, one eagle's wingspan apart. <laughs> one eagle's wingspan, by the way, is about six feet. So that was <laughs> a lovely thing from the RSPB that they said, you can always tell exactly how far you need to be from the other person because it's one eagle with a wing spread. So that was sorted. So we actually helped each other. We checked up on each other. We actually stopped and chatted, even if it was from a few feet away. And people like the postman and the delivery drivers did too. They're actually lovely. Oh, there was the old one or two who was a complete prat. But that happens. That's always so. But mostly they were really nice. You all right then, love? You okay? You need anything? Do you want me to take a message to anybody? Nice? Is that nice? I think so. And you know too... We still know each other. We go, hi, I'm sort of waving from the other end of the garden. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, bloody weather, awful rain, lovely rain, fantastic weather, lots of sun, la, 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 etc. So that came and it didn't go away. It hasn't gone away now. And yes, it actually does link to being wild at heart. Because although people were in lockdown... They stopped shutting themselves away within themselves. Am I making sense there? Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I shan't answer them. It's like they were open to answering, even if it had to be from a few feet away, or even if it had to be on Zoom, or the phone, or whatever else. So people actually came out, out of their own inner cave where they'd been hiding, perhaps, I know some cases, all their lives. And they came out and they started talking. And they started actually feeling with each other. And that's the beginning of caring. And as well as that, people opened up to nature a whole lot more than most people had before. They got interested in birds, in the plants in the garden, in the insects that used those plants in the voles and field mice who came to live and feed in the grass, the grass they'd stopped mowing, and in the hedges that they'd allowed to get really nicely untidy. And, oh, look, there's a fox going across the lawn. Oh, wow. And they noticed, this happened particularly in Wales, how the wild goats came down from the mountains because there was less traffic about, less people about, And they were no longer scared by the shouting, rough, fast, loud people that they had been. There are even tales of dolphins swimming up the Thames. And all sorts of other tales of wildlife coming out, because we had gone quiet. And many people, many people have kept all that going. They've changed their gardening habits. I'm getting a lot of interest in the wildlife gardening that I help people with. They've gone out into nature and they've gone out just to sit and to listen and to watch rather than how it used to be when you were yomping across the fields as though you were a bloody Royal Marine. You know, you've got to do the 40 miles in eight hours. 
when you're going like that, when you're going fast like that, you never notice the lovely land that you're walking through, the little flowers, the insects. All that was, well, I've not seen that butterfly before. What was that bird? And all sorts of other things like that. And that's important. And that is connecting with nature. It's as simple in many ways as noticing and stopping to look or to listen or both and taking in all of where something is. And just recently, and it's very late for them, in the garden, and I think because of the the hot weather, we've actually had brimstone butterflies again. And I'm looking at which flowers they're looking at, which flowers they're feeding on, where they're going, where they seem to spend the night, which you can notice. I get up very early in the morning, so I can notice where the first ones like come out from. And lots of people are doing this. I mean, I have chats with people down in the village and they just say, oh, I saw one in there. Never seen one in there before. So you start noticing all these kind of things. And that helps you feel more integrated. It allows your wild heart out of the box. And that helps you feel integrated, as I said. It stops the them and us between humans and nature that many people feel is there. Now, my philosophy has always been that I live in an and-and universe, not an either-or one. So I can have a car and go for a walk. I can live in the house, but I can also go and sit in the garden. Whatever you can do, it's not either-or, it's and-and. As you've probably heard me say before, I'm married to this ex-particle physicist type. And and-and actually works in physics and in maths. And it's fascinating talking with him and saying, well, the universe does that. So say you've got, say, a neutron star, and when it dies, it actually gives birth at the same time to new stars. Makes you think. Anyway, and-and was my witchy family's philosophy too, so I was brought up in it. And it is all about this noticing and the noticing helping you care and helping you share your life with whatever it is you are looking at and noticing, whether it's a person or whether it's an animal or whether it's an insect or a flower or a plant or whatever. It's also about I can enjoy my garden and I can allow the butterflies to enjoy it too and their offspring, the caterpillars. Ooh, hear a lot of vegetable gardeners going, ooh, at that moment. Yes, there are ways of enjoying brassicas without needing to kill off all the white butterfly caterpillars, or all the white butterflies either. One simple way that I've used, ever since I can remember and watch my gardening uncles use, is netting. Now, you have to be very careful of this, because most netting that you buy is sort of insect netting or something like that from the garden centre The holes are too big and birds and insects and even little mammals can get caught up in them and die slowly and horribly. But if you buy the very fine stuff, I buy the stuff called EnviroMesh. That's so fine, it's safe. I've been using it for 30 odd years and some of the same pieces that I bought 20 years ago are still going strong. So it's really cheap after the initial outlay as well. And it has lots of other uses 
besides stopping the butterflies laying their eggs on my cabbages. Because in winter, for instance, it keeps my winter lettuces warm. And it stops critters like blackbirds and such digging up my seedlings and my new planted bulbs. And it keeps the cat off the seedlings too. So it has all sorts of uses and is a good idea. But here we go with the and and universe again. There's another way of enjoying brassicas. There isn't just one way. There's no silver bullet that will fix it all for you. But there's lots of things you can do and it depends what you want to do that at that time and how you feel about it. Now, the other way that I'm talking about is growing perennial veg. I've done this all my life, again, learned from my gardening uncles, and it's also nowadays known as forest gardening. Several varieties of perennial veg, like brassicas, and they're a very good one to grow. There are also various lettuce varieties as well. And they are really good because they are perennial. Now, that means that they've got good, strong roots, which they're able to develop over the years of their life. And that can be 10 or 15 years for a cabbage plant, one of the perennial ones. And because they've got these good, strong roots, they are very strong. They're very solid. They've got a good connection with the soil, a good connection with the water, everything they need. So if they get a caterpillar feeding frenzy, they survive quite well. So you sacrifice a few leaves and you get more butterflies. And, and again, that's sharing. That's connecting with nature. That's connecting with the wild. And opening the box and letting your wild heart have a breathe of coffee too. So that's a sort of practical idea and thoughts you can have for climbing out of the box that maybe you've lived in for years. Forest gardening and, and helping and sharing, all of this kind of thing, it frees you up and it lets you out of the box. It frees up your heart and it lets your wild heart see the sunshine as well. And it can really help spark your heart and make you feel good and happy and help you let go of lots of anxiety that you probably feel, as we all do, about what's happening in the world right now, all the wars and climate change and No government's really caring about anything to do with us. And another thing, as you change, so you inspire other people to change. You don't have to do anything except just be yourself, be the new you. It's like, yeah, I'm really happy now because I'm growing these perennial cabbages or I go out for a walk and I'm looking at the butterflies every day. I only go a quarter of a mile and then I sit down and I watch. And it makes you feel good and people go, oh, You've seen Owen recently. She's always got a smile on her face. Maybe we ought to have a go at that. There's an old adage among spiritual witchy people from all over the world, and my family used it. It's, you cannot change anything but yourself. But as you change yourself, so you see the world change around you. That's really important. We make the biggest changes by changing ourselves And then becoming a little light, you know, an idea for other people. Well, that helps let your heart out of the box. It helps you to feel wild again. And that takes me right back to where I came in about the retreats. Yes, I'm doing women's retreats again. And the first one is rewilding your heart. 
and it's the 14th to the 16th of October, that's Friday through Sunday. It costs 450 quid, and there are just eight places. It's fully residential, all diets catered for, and you've got all the comforts of my rambling old farmhouse. Because all weekends happen here at my home, in the wilds of the Stretton Hills in Shropshire. And they're all full board, and like I said, all diets, and all the food is local and organic where we can possibly manage it. There's good Wi-Fi here, bath, shower, heating, log burner. You share accommodation in lovely big quirky rooms in my rambling old farmhouse. And the farmhouse itself is very secluded with superb views. They really are. Everybody who comes, even the postman sort of says, gall, mind living up here. And it's wonderfully quiet. I had a friend round the other day and she hadn't been round before. She's quite a new friend. And she says, it's so quiet. I can't believe it. And there's all the usual stuff like coffee, tea, herb teas, cake, biscuits, fruit and stuff that you can stuff your face with in between meals. And the weekends begin on the Friday evening. You arrive about 5.30 and settle in, get to know each other. And then after supper, we gather in my studio and we do some simple little visualisation exercises that help you connect with what we call the spirit of place. You'll know what we mean when you get here, you'll feel it. And then on the Friday night, we spend the time for you to share your intentions with each other and share any special questions you've brought with you that you'd like to find something of a solution for over the weekend. And we finish the evening usually with a story and sometimes some drumming too, if you want to. And then on Saturday, after breakfast, we begin with some stillness and presence work. Maybe indoors, depends on the weather, or maybe out in the wildlife garden, which is very lovely to do it in. And we talk about connecting and how we feel we can do this and what it means to us. And you share this amongst each other. And that sparks up so much in your own mind. Your own ideas and visions become bigger as you do this. And so we do some of the stuff that we've talked about. And then we share it again. By which time it's got round to being lunchtime. So after lunch... We go for a gentle walk in the wilds of the Stretton Hills. We're watching wildlife, hearing the birds, the streams and the wind in the trees. And there's lots of places we can stop. Not all together in a group, not all holding hands or anything like that. Just stop under a tree, sat on a bank, by a stream, whatever. And we practice the stillness that we practiced this morning. And this time... We ask to feel the tree, to feel the stream, to feel the wind, to taste the wind even, and hear the birds, and smell the grass, and the herbs, and the bracken. And then we come home, usually that'll be about about four o'clock in the afternoon, and you get yourself a cuppa and maybe some cake, and you settle down on your own with a huge sheet of paper and some crayons. And you draw your day's journey 
I've been doing this for 30 years and it's absolutely fascinating watching what happens with students and how they work with this. And you don't talk to each other yet, not yet. You keep it inside, but you then put it out onto the paper. And you people end up almost like drawing a map. You know, when you remember the childhood books, I think of the Narnia ones, and you've got this map and the journey takes you around like that. And it's almost like that. You have pictures of, I saw this raven or saw this beautiful flower or something. And no, they don't have to be works of art. This is not the point. What you're doing is reminding yourself of what has happened over the day. By which time, it's supper time. So we have supper. And then we gather again in the studio and you each share your day's journey using your drawing to tell us the story of how your day was for you, what you learned and how you changed. You'll be amazed how this comes about and just how much you learn from sharing your own story, but also from hearing everyone else's. The whole idea of being wild, of being yourself, of growing, of climbing out of the box, expands and expands because you're able to share easily with like-minded people. And then we go to bed. And Sunday, after breakfast, we share again how we feel, how we feel different now on Sunday morning than we did when we arrived on Friday night doesn't usually take terribly long to do that. So then we go into a visualization journey. Yesterday, on the Saturday, you went out for a real walk in the real countryside. And now you go for a real visualization journey with your colleagues, with me, and within yourself. And again, you come out of that and you get another huge sheet of paper and whatever crayons you want, and you draw that journey, the visualization journey, by which time it's lunchtime. And so after lunch, we go back into the studio and we share and go through the visualization work and the stories that have come to you from that. And again, we share how we've changed and what we've learned and how we've grown. And we finish the day with more tea and cake and you sharing with each other just how you feel now at the end of the weekend and where you want to go from here, how your questions have been answered, and maybe not fully, that's fine too, and what new questions may have come up for you. And we talk about what you can do and where you can go from here with me, with yourself, however. So if this appeals to you, Go and have a look on my website at www.ellensentier.com and click on the Retreats tab and you'll get full details and booking details. Only put the page up on Monday and I've already had four inquiries. Now I said there's only eight places, so do remember, book early if you'd like to come. I will be doing more retreats next year, but I probably won't be doing the Rewilding Your Heart one again for a year. The retreats allow you to really tap into your own inner wisdom and your own unconscious mind and to draw on your intuition and your instincts and connect through nature, connect with nature and experience all this and share it. 
makes quite a difference because we're all like-minded. We all want life-changing. We all want to re-envision our lives and rewrite our stories. Well, that's it. So, bye-bye for now. I'm off for this week, and I shall see you again next week. Well, thank you for joining our weekly sail on Pea Green Boat. Time to stop now. If you'd like to know more, you can meet me at www.ellensentier.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So let's connect. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you so much to Wahoo Media who produced this podcast for me. See you next week. Bye for now.